from Compass Media Networks, this is America's First News. This morning with your host, Gordon Deal. Progress on spending. Good morning, I'm Gordon Deal, along with Jennifer Koshenka on this Thursday, September 21st. Glad you could be with us. Here's what we have for you this hour. Two House Republicans who opposed a vote on a defense appropriations bill this week have dropped their opposition. A new vote is expected today. The Biden administration is offering work permits to nearly half a million Venezuelan migrants. Hear why the approach may have little impact. The Federal Reserve is leaving interest rates unchanged even as the price of oil pushes pushes inflation higher. And surveys indicate that homeowners won't move until mortgage rates are closer to 5%. People that have an existing mortgage don't want to move, and the only people that are free to move are those that are going into, you know, maybe making their first home purchase. You know, maybe they were renting before and they're first-time home buyers. That's where there's a little more activity happening. Jessica Dickler at CNBC on 5% being the magic number in a 7% environment. The Federal Reserve is holding its key interest rates steady, but has signaled another hike is likely this year, with inflation still high. Fed officials also indicated they expect to keep rates higher for longer through 2024 than they anticipated earlier this year. The latest decision leaves the benchmark short-term rate at a 22-year high of between 5.25% and 5.5%, and it's just the second meeting at which the Fed has not raised its federal funds rate since it began its hiking campaign 18 months ago. Fed Chairman Jerome Powell. Today, we decided to leave our policy interest rate unchanged and to continue to reduce our securities holdings. Looking ahead, we are in a position to proceed carefully in determining the extent of additional policy firming that may be appropriate. The Fed meets again at the end of October, then again in December. Officials appear to be more confident than they were in their last set of projections in June that they could bring inflation down to their 2% goal without a sharp, a sharp economic down, a slowdown, achieving what they call a soft landing. President Biden is granting temporary deportation relief and access to work permits to nearly half a million Venezuelans already in the country. The move follows calls by Democrats like New York City's mayor to help newly arrived migrants work legally. More from this morning's Mike Gavin. About 472,000 Venezuelans in the U.S. on or before the end of July now will be eligible for temporary protected status for a period of 18 months. Mr. Biden, seeking re-election next year, has faced record illegal border crossings fueled by a sharp rise in recent years of migrants fleeing economic and political turmoil in Venezuela. Cities who have received large migrant populations, including D.C., Chicago, and Boston, argue that immediate access to a work permit would allow migrants to move out of city-run shelters and support themselves. Gordon. Thank you, Mike. It isn't likely that granting Venezuelans TPS will have the desired effect that Democratic mayors and other city officials are hoping for, though. Government data shows processing times for work permits vary, but are currently taking anywhere from 10 to 18 months. Another day of talks in the effort to avoid a government shutdown. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says the chamber will take a procedural vote today to advance a defense appropriations bill that a small band of conservatives had derailed earlier this week. Two of the five Republicans who had cast a procedural vote against the bill earlier this week agreed to drop their opposition. I think we made tremendous progress as an entire conference. We had a great discussion. Um, I think we've got a plan to move forward. 
um, going to DOD and then going to a number of other appropriation bills. Meanwhile, if the Republican-led House can't unite around spending priorities, will some reach across the aisle and enlist help from Democrats? Here's Congressman Don Bacon, Republican from Nebraska. Congressman, will there be a shutdown? Well, I sure hope we can find our way out of this, but right now we have 10 to 20 Republicans that oppose about anything. And so I think we are compelled, and we should be doing this anyway, in my view. We're going to have to work across the aisle and make a bipartisan deal uh, with the Democrat side because we're not going to be able to get Republicans on board to stop the shutdown. Uh, all of you, we could only afford to lose four uh, votes, and, and uh, we have more than that uh, that seem to be uh, cruising for a shutdown. Uh, but i got to tell you, uh, Gordon, 200 of us or 205 of us or so are de- very much opposed to any kind of shutdown on the Republican side. It's a very small number. Um, so reaching across the aisle then becomes a possibility, I presume, or a likelihood? Yeah, we're already working it. And, of course, I, and I'm not really at liberty to say where we're at with it other than I'm on the problem solvers. We have about 30 Republicans, 30 Democrats, and uh, we are – I think we think we have what we need for a deal, but we're not there. we we got to vote on it and do some other things. So, uh, But I think this is the only way – it's the way it's supposed to work anyway. Uh, we got to work with the Senate, which is Democrats in the end. So I think we've been doing all these terrible gymnastics <laughs> to get 218 Republican votes, and you already know that you got to get a bipartisan deal with the Senate. And I just think we should stop uh, the nonsense and just let's work out a bipartisan deal now. And, and uh, we, sh- we should not let 10 or 15 people grind this country to a halt. Is it fair when critics say Republicans can't handle power or being in the majority? Well, I say that's true for about 5 or 10 people. In fact, these same 5 or 10 people, they really do prefer to be in the minority, uh, where they can just vote against everything. When you're in the majority, you've got to govern. And I, you know, I, I used a line the other day, these guys would vote against the Bible because uh, it doesn't have enough Jesus in it. <laughs> you know, Because so, it's true, they can't get to yes. And if you're in a small majority, you've got to govern. And, but the, these folks, all they want to do is vote no and uh, yell and scream. Uh, but the far majority of the Republicans here uh, know that we've got to work Together, we've got to find consensus. You've you, you got to work with the Senate. That's a, got a two-seat Democrat majority. You've got to work with the president, uh, who's a Democrat. So that's the, way, that's the way James Madison designed it. We're speaking with Nebraska Republican Congressman Don Bacon. Um, what would you agree to at this point? Are you, are you okay with, say, uh, the current funding for Ukraine? I personally am. I, I believe it's in our national security interest uh, for Ukraine to, to be independent. Uh, we don't have troops there. They're doing the fighting. But they're victims of a terrible Russian aggression, uh, and it's war crimes, humani- crimes against humanity. The, the Russians have been so treacherous with the Ukrainians. And, and if Ukraine fails or falls, what's next? Is it the Baltics? Is it Moldavia? Is it Georgia? Is it Azerbaijan? I mean, uh, so, yes, I think it's in our national security interest. And I'm from the party of Reagan, where we stood up to the Russians, and we help, we help victims who are being bullied and, uh, and treated in a barbaric way. Uh, so I support Ukraine. I also support measures for the border. Uh, what's going on on the border? Uh, Republicans you know, are demanding this as being part of the deal, and I don't disagree with that. It's, uh, the Biden administration's really failed when it comes to enforcing our borders and, and enforcing the law uh, there. So I think we should have some border stuff in it. We should have some Ukraine uh, funding in there, and I think we need some disaster relief money because What's going on in Florida and, and Hawaii 
uh, those funds are running dry, and then we should you know marry that up with a CR uh, for like three months. And that's and I think a lot of Republicans, a lot of Democrats will support something along those lines. What measures for the border or just more funding? What are you saying here? Well, I support policies like remain in Mexico. Uh, you know, if, if, before you get refugee status, you have to apply, uh, whether it's in your home country uh, or on the other side of the border. Uh, and that basically stops most of the chaos. Uh, when President Trump did it, it worked. Uh, it's more important than the border wall, frankly, is this, having a policy like this in place. Uh, we sh- right now we're, we're having record numbers coming across the border, and the administration will claim how many people they detain. But what they don't tell you is about 90% of those folks are released into the country. So in other words, uh, you know, detaining is having very little um, application for us. I, you know, that's why when you have actually New York Democrat mayors and governors complaining about this, so the, the opportunity is here for us to get some kind of a deal on that. But we need a policy of remain in Mexico, I believe. Thanks, Don. Congressman Don Bacon, Republican from Nebraska. Did you know traditional bed sheets harbor as much bacteria as a toilet seat? No wonder we shower more lately. The germs in your sheets can cause acne, allergies, stuffy noses, and ailments so gross it's hard to believe. Those are fears, though, you can put to bed with Miracle Made bed sheets. Miracle Made uses silver infused fabrics inspired by NASA that are thermoregulating to keep you at a perfect temperature all night. My wife and I have them. We love them. Miracle Made is self cleaning, self cooling, luxurious, eco friendly bedding designed to protect your skin for more restorative rest. Now, my listeners can have a clean night's sleep while saving over 40% and sleeping cool all summer and warm all winter. Visit TryMiracle.com slash Gordon to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% at checkout. Miracle Made is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit TryMiracle.com slash Gordon. Miracle Made bedding, NASA-inspired for out-of-this-world comfort. TryMiracle.com slash Gordon. Thanks for spending time with us. Republicans on the House Judiciary Committee are accusing Attorney General Merrick Garland of showing leniency toward the son of the president. They pressed him about the Justice Department's handling of the five-year-long probe into Hunter Biden. Over and over, Mr. Garland denied slow-walking or stymieing the inquiry, saying he gave the prosecutor overseeing the case broad authority to handle it however he saw fit. Committee Chairman Jim Jordan of Ohio. He could have selected anyone. He could have picked anyone inside government outside government. He could have picked former attorney generals, former special counsels, but he picks the one guy, the one guy he knows will protect Joe Biden. He picks David Weiss. Republicans are fueled in part by accounts of two IRS agents who have said Justice Department officials inappropriately interfered in the probe. The hearing took place as Republicans ramp up their impeachment inquiry into President Biden, centering on the activities of Hunter, who was indicted on gun charges last week after an earlier plea deal collapsed. It's 20 minutes after the hour on This Morning. Here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky returns to Washington today for a whirlwind one-day visit, this time to face the Republicans questioning the flow of U.S. dollars that has kept his troops in the fight against Russian forces. Zelensky will meet with President Biden, speak with U.S. military leaders at the Pentagon, and stop at Capitol Hill to talk privately with Republican and Democratic leaders of the House and Senate as the world is watching Western support for Kyiv. 
Number two. The Senate has voted to make Air Force General Charles Brown Jr. the nation's top military officer, marking the first Pentagon confirmation since Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville put a hold on nominees to protest a Defense Department abortion policy. White House spokesman John Kirby. It doesn't fix the problem or provide a path forward for the 316 other general and flag officers that are held up by this ridiculous hole. Brown was confirmed as chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff in an 83-11 to 11 vote. He will succeed Army General Mark Milley, whose term ends next month. Number three. UAW leaders and the Detroit automakers continue to trade public barbs, a worrisome sign ahead of a Friday deadline that threatens to expand the strike. Tensions remain on display yesterday, a day after Ford reached a tentative labor deal with the union representing auto factory workers in Canada. Matt Demmer, who owns a Ford dealership, hopes a resolution comes soon. We need to go back to business as usual. I'm sure both sides are grinding hard to make a make a deal and hopefully it's a short you know, a short strike, but, you know, we need to get back to making Broncos and Rangers. GM's president penned an op-ed in the Detroit Free Press, blasting the UAW's demands as untenable. Hollywood writers and studios are reportedly near an agreement to end one of the months-long strikes that have brought production of TV shows and movies to a halt. CNBC says the two sides are close to a deal following a productive face-to-face meeting yesterday. The sides are reportedly optimistic an agreement can be finalized today. Travel and Leisure is partnering with Sports Illustrated to create sports-themed resorts in popular college towns. The first Sports Illustrated resort will open by the end of 2025 in Tuscaloosa near the University of Alabama. Additional college town destinations will be announced in the near future. Sounds kind of cool. All right, thank you, Jen. Higher mortgage rates have created a so-called golden handcuff effect. This is where homeowners feel locked in by their existing low-rate mortgage. But Jessica Dickler, personal finance reporter at CNBC, says there is a tipping point, and about 5.5% is the magic number. Jessica, explain. There was some interesting data that I came across in this when I was reporting on this story. Um, I've been looking at this, what's called a golden handcuff effect, which is which means that you're paying such a low mortgage that you feel so locked in that you don't have the ability to move because it would end up costing you more even to downsize on a less expensive home because the mortgage rate would inevitably be higher than what you're currently paying. It's quite the log jam, right? I mean, what's this mean for the housing market in general? Well, that's exactly what it is. It's kind of, it's brought a lot of activity to a standstill. People that have an existing mortgage don't want to move. And the only people that are free to move are those that are going into, you know, maybe making their first home purchase. You know, maybe they were renting before and they're first time home buyers. Um, that's where there's a little more activity happening. Yeah. So you spoke to this guy in Mobile, Alabama, Bob Wood, 66 years old. Explain his situation. Okay, so this was interesting because Bob is, like a lot of people, he is thinking about retirement. He's been in his home for a long time. His kids are grown. They live in what he said was a 5,000 square foot house with a pool. So pretty big um, for a retired or soon to be retired couple. And they want to downsize. They'd also like to be a little closer to their children and grandchildren, but they can, or at least they don't feel like they can because they're paying about 3% on a mortgage. And if they moved, they'd give that up and they'd have to buy at a much higher rate. So he feels kind of stuck in his home, which is unfortunate because they're not too close to their kids and they would like to um, kind of live that more retirement lifestyle move a little further south and enjoy their time with their grandchildren. 
We're speaking with Jessica Dickler, personal finance reporter at CNBC. Her story is called Mortgage Rate Tipping Point. Homeowners say roughly 5% is the magic number to move. So Mr. Wood there in Alabama would jump at 5%. That's what he said. Yeah, 5% would pretty much do it. And the, there's a bunch of research that pretty much says exactly the same. I looked at a report from Zillow that put the number at about 5%. If the mortgage rate was 5%, homeowners would be nearly twice as willing to sell their home um, and go into a new house. And for prospective buyers as well, that's sort of the number that they'd like to see to get them to pull the trigger on a new house. Okay, so I'll ask you the, uh, I don't know, trillion dollar question. When are we going back to uh, perhaps a 5% mortgage rate? Yeah, I knew that would be the next question, of course. And I asked a lot of people that when I was reporting on this. And it's going to be a while. It's not going to be 5% so soon. I mean, we're looking at what the Fed is planning uh, that has an indirect impact on mortgage rates, of course. So we may see 6%, maybe 5% sometime next year if the Fed starts to lower its benchmark rate and other rates follow suit. But it's certainly not going to be down to 3% anytime soon, which is what a lot of people are paying. Yeah. And I mean, if we go back that low, that the trade-off is it's probably something bad has happened to the economy, right? Yeah, exactly. If it is at 3%, that means that there's been a serious economic shock. So that comes with, of course, its own downsides. Thanks, Jessica. Jessica Dickler, personal finance reporter at CNBC. Cereal was one of the best parts of being a kid. Remember that? But getting older, I had to stay away from all that sugar and empty carbs. Now there's Magic Spoon, a cereal with all our childhood favorite flavors, but high in protein and with less sugar. Their variety pack of four flavors includes cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. This pack has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and four to five net grams of carbs with only 140 calories per serving. It's high in protein, keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. I love that cocoa flavor and drinking that chocolatey milk at the end. Go to magicspoon.com morning to grab a variety pack and try it today. Be sure to use our promo code morning at checkout to save five bucks off your order. Magic Spoon is backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. Magicspoon.com morning and use the code morning to get $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. Magicspoon.com morning. Taking the day's information and helping you make sense of it all. We're here for you every morning. You're listening to America's First News this morning with Gordon Deal. Thanks for spending time with us on this Thursday, September 21. Gordon Deal, Jennifer Koshenka, some of our top stories and headlines. Fed leaves rates alone, but signals they could be high for a long time. Biden offering work permits to nearly half a million Venezuelan migrants. Progress on a federal budget. House Republicans hammer the attorney general. Biden administration reviving a program to mail free rapid COVID tests starting next week. Light snow has been falling in the higher elevations of the west and northwest. Tiger Woods and Justin Timberlake opened a sports bar in New York City last night. And police lift an overturned car to free a trapped teenager. That story in about 20 minutes. Time now for a business update, and it's brought to you by Indeed. You need to hire fast and hire right. You need Indeed. Their all-in-one hiring platform helps you attract, interview, and hire candidates efficiently. Visit indeed.com slash credit. 
When the leaves are falling, it usually means the price at the pump is falling too. So why have gas prices risen lately? Here's Tom Closa, Global Head of Energy Analysis at Oil Price Information Service. Tom, will we see them go down? We are going to see them go down. We peaked two days ago. And even though you may see crude oil have a cup of coffee around $100 a barrel, the price of gasoline has been too high. Refiners are getting $30, $40, $50 more than crude for it when the norm is probably about 10 or 15. And uh, we're seeing people drive a little bit less. So that 388 average that we saw two days ago, that's going to be the high for all of 2023, I'm pretty certain. Okay. Um, And then so I guess at this point, the question becomes, how low could they go? Uh, I think a lot of parts of the country, certainly anywhere that's fed by the U.S. Gulf Coast, could get close to $3 before it's all over. Uh, I think if you're on the West Coast, you're used to higher prices. And actually, California, Nevada, and Arizona may still have high numbers into October because they require a recipe that's very difficult to make until Halloween. But really, there's a reason why prices drop every fall. Uh, even if you have crude oil going up, the the margins for gasoline that refiners get back off. The problem is going to be you're going to see really strong prices for diesel and jet fuel, and that's going to weigh in on inflation in other parts of the economy. Okay, so why for diesel and jet fuel? Well, you know, we're running a very light crude oil slate. The OPEC plus cuts that they had, they cut the medium and heavy crude, which make a lot of diesel and jet fuel. We're running a lot of light crude, which makes more gasoline than refineries would want. So it's good news on gasoline. But I think if you're in the commercial business of buying diesel, and if you're an airline, you're probably going to see higher costs. We're speaking with Tom Closa, Global Head of Energy Analysis at Oil Price Information Service. And we're talking about the price of gas currently. Um, What about the Federal Reserve and its considerations here when it sees uh, prices spike or maybe diesel and jet fuel going up? I I think that it's something they they keep on the back burner uh, and not for this particular meeting today, but maybe in the next meeting they might uh, feel or see fit to increase interest rates a little bit. You know, if we had zero interest rates like we did for a period, you know, after COVID, uh, we probably would see much higher oil prices. You know, higher interest rates mean you can't store as much oil and you don't have the incentive to do it. So that's actually tempered some of the price enthusiasm out there, believe it or not. Wow. Review the basics here, uh, if there is such a thing, on, on why we just don't exclusively use U.S. oil. Sure. I mean, we use a lot. We're producing almost 13 million barrels a day, and we will break the record for U.S. production before the end of the year. You know, we'd like to get some heavier crude oil that makes a lot of diesel and jet fuel. But unfortunately, that's where the cuts have come with Saudi crude and with some of the other crude. You know, the Russian crude was was very heavy and sour, and it made a lot of diesel and a lot of uh, jet fuel. So we're not going to have those for a while. But one would think that when OPEC Plus restores some of the production cuts that they had for the remainder of this year, they'll put some more sour crude out there. And that'll be helpful because, you know, I'm afraid if you've got a diesel truck or a diesel car, you're going to pay a lot of money in the next 90 days, I'm afraid. Yeah. Is it cheaper to import oil? In, in some cases than to well, actually yeah, you know it's kind of, it's it's kind of like a supermarket and you want to get different types of crude we import a lot but most of what we import are from Canada 
in Mexico. You know, the SPR, Strategic Petroleum Reserve, is kind of an anachronism because we we import almost 4 million barrels a day of crude oil from Canada, and we really don't rely on crude from Libya, you know, Mideastern countries or Persian Gulf countries. So it's a great talking point to criticize the president, but it's not. It's quite disingenuous. And uh, boy, the flooding in Libya, what's that done to the oil market in general globally? Well, you know, it's funny. This is a year where climate change and severe climate events have really had an impact on oil. If we get a hurricane in the Gulf of Mexico, everything I told you goes right out the window. So we've got about 70 days left in hurricane season. Let's hope that doesn't happen. Thanks, Tom. Tom Closa, Global Head of Energy Analysis at Oil Price Information Service. Welcome into Friday Eve. It is time now for the mic drop with this morning's Mike Gavin. Good morning. Well, no matter how the how many of these types of stories we hear, they're always astonishing for those of us who don't have lottery luck. A Michigan man won a small prize in the lottery, then immediately re- reinvested those winnings to win millions. The 54-year-old told lottery officials he won $50 in an instant game, and instead of pocketing it, maybe going out to dinner with it, he decided to immediately buy another instant scratch-off ticket. He was stunned when the ticket said he had won $4 million. So stunned, in fact, that he wasn't sure if it was real. So he says he called his brother, who told him to make sure the ticket wasn't a fake or a part of some elaborate hoax. Mm. So he flipped over the ticket and read through the fine print. Then he called the lottery office to confirm his jackpot, which he says he plans to use to travel. Travel? Travel, yes. That's, like, that's like, a decent amount of travel. Like every week for the rest yeah, of his I life? Yeah, I guess so. Like that yeah. kind of travel? <laughs> Quit your job and just go on the road, right? Oh, that's, that's, man. That sounds like a good idea. I think if I won that kind of money and decided to travel, and I like to travel, mm-hmm. I would I would go once a month somewhere fairly exotic. Okay. Get back and then spend three weeks planning the next month's trip and I then see. go again. I see. I think that's, I think that's how I would do it. <laughs> I got you. But what kind of vacation, though? Because I know you're not a sit-on-the-beach type of person. Yeah. Like, you're going to what? You're going to explore, like, cities, yeah. foreign cities, that yeah. kind of thing? I would not stop moving. Uh, I see, yes. Downtime is not a thing for me no. on vacation or at any time anywhere. <laughs> I must move the entire time. Yes, yes. So, yes, yeah, so when Hiking, you come back walking, home. walking, exploring, boating, yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah, it'd have to be uh, active. Yeah, so you'll have to be moving while you're planning your next vacation as well. Yeah, this is the matter, too, of, of, matter two of uh, taking care of three dogs and a horse, as uh, you know, what happens to them. <laughs> yes. And perhaps the wife and kids also. Yeah, that's what you're going to spend most of your money on, probably, <laughs> is care for the dogs and, and especially the horse. Yeah, who's going to ride the horse while we're gone? Yes. And uh, staying in Michigan, we know that people will do almost anything to retrieve their pricey lost electronics, and this story is proof. A woman was rescued this week from an outhouse toilet in northern Michigan after she climbed in to retrieve her Apple Watch and became trapped. The woman, whose name was not released, lowered herself into the toilet after dropping the watch at a boat launch at Dixon Lake, about 200 miles northwest of Detroit. First responders were called when the woman was heard yelling for help. The toilet was removed and a strap was used to haul the woman out. State police didn't say whether the woman was injured or even if the watch was recovered. But they did take the time to warn future visitors of what they should already know. If you lose an item in an outhouse toilet, don't go diving in after it. Oh, <laughs> I didn't think about that. You know what? Don't go in the yeah. outhouse toilet. There was no sign. See, that was the problem. Oh, there was probably right. no sign warning her yes. not to dive headfirst into the toilet after her Apple Watch. Right. Well, if you're in northern Michigan, I mean, I, I would imagine a lot of the signs are like, don't you know approach the bears. Right. Sure. Leave the the wolves alone. Uh-huh. You know, but. 
<laughs> we, not so much yeah. about the outhouse toilet. Not usually worried yeah. about people diving in the outhouse toilets. Right. I got gotcha. you. Right. How much is that Apple Watch worth to you, lady? Uh, uh, right. Ugh, apparently a, a lot. They needed a strap to get her out. I mean, that's bad news, right there. I mean, there's not enough showers in the world that could uh, that could sort of rinse that off. I just think, uh, like, right out of the gate, you got your hands all over that toilet mm-hmm. as you're lowering yourself in. Yeah. Right? I mean, <laughs> right out of the gate. Before your feet even touch anything, your hands are all over that, that toilet as you lower yourself in. It's yeah, just, yeah. Oh. She, she wasn't worried about her hands uh, or anything apparently, else, obviously. Apparently not. Bringing the world to your door every morning. This is America's First News. This morning with your host, Gordon Deal. Hey, Clutch with us. September means time for new iPhones, and unless you have an annual iPhone buying habit, it's also time to ask, do I need an upgrade? Nicole Wen at the Wall Street Journal says whether or not you buy one of the new iPhone 15 models unveiled this month depends on a couple of factors. The condition of your current phone, the compatibility of the iOS 17 update, and the new features. If your iPhone is two or three years old and works fine, you can probably get another year or two out of it. She says don't upgrade if you just need a fresh battery. An Apple-certified replacement costs much less than a new phone, usually 89 bucks. Also, don't upgrade just because your screen needs repair. Cracked screens are not okay, but if your iPhone is otherwise fully functional, check the price, the price of a replacement display. might be a better deal than a replacement phone. However, she says do upgrade if iOS 17 does not support your current model or your device needs serious repairs. Eight minutes in front of the hour on This Morning. Once again, here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. The big problem facing House Speaker Kevin McCarthy as he tries to win over a dozen or so holdout Republicans, it might be impossible to make enough of them happy to head off a government shutdown in nine days. But another day of talks yielded signs of progress when two of the five Republicans who had cast a procedural vote against the appropriations bill agreed to drop their opposition. McCarthy says the chamber will take a procedural vote today. We're, we're very close there. I feel I just got a little more movement to go there. McCarthy also floated a new short-term stopgap bill meant to, by time, pass the September 30th deadline to craft full-year bills. Number two. House Republicans clashed with Attorney General Merrick Garland on Wednesday, accusing him and the Justice Department of the weaponization of the department's work in favor of Hunter Biden. Republicans say the Justice Department is favoring the Biden family while targeting Donald Trump. Garland pushed back. We will not be intimidated. We will do our jobs free from outside influence, and we will not back down from defending our democracy. Garland's appearance before the House Judiciary Committee was his first in two years. Number three. A man sought in connection with the slaying of a family of four in the Chicago suburb of Romeoville was found dead inside a burning car in Oklahoma. Romeoville Deputy Police Chief Chris Burns says 31-year-old Nathaniel Huey Jr. and a woman with a relationship to him were both called a person of interest before the woman was reported missing and in danger by her family on Tuesday night. The vehicle immediately attempted to elude the officers, resulting in a single car crash of the suspect vehicle, causing the vehicle to catch on fire. Burns says officers on the scene heard noises believed to be gunshots after the crash and fire. Officers found a critically wounded woman inside the vehicle and the man fatally shot in the driver's seat. He says authorities know of a connection between the suspect and the victims, as well as a possible motive, but he declined to elaborate. Soon you may be able to pick up some groceries or home goods while Fido is getting a checkup. Walmart Pet Services has opened its first ever vet center in a store in Dallas, Georgia. Walmart says customers can bring in their pets for vet care and grooming services at a low price. The retailer plans to open more pet centers in the future. Can I drop them off for like six, seven hours, like go out to lunch? Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe you yeah. can. All right. Thank you, Jen.
Police officers in a suburb of Atlanta, as well as Good Samaritans, quickly sprang into action to save a driver's life. A speeding 19-year-old in Lawrenceville overturned his vehicle around 11 p.m. last Wednesday. Police wrote on Facebook that after assessing for injuries, a cop named Sergeant Peterson noticed the driver had been partially ejected through the sunroof with his upper body and head squeezed in between the vehicle and roadway. The driver was having problems breathing. They had to lift the car off of him. Additional body cam and dash cam footage shows the heroic lift of the 3,600-pound vehicle. You mean, he can't breathe. You and me are going to lift this car up right now. Yes, help, help. Someone get in there and pull him out when he, when he lift it up. Kid was taken to a local hospital. Fox News says when he gets discharged, he'll face charges including speeding, reckless driving, and fleeing to elude a police officer. That'll do it for this hour. For Jennifer Koshenka and Mike Gavin, I'm Gordon Deal. Thanks for listening to This Morning, America's First News.